conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Mike Kamate. We are back for some more Iron Man discussion. Today we're talking about Iron Man 3. I said I'd do it, and I'm here. I'm here for the trilogy. Did you do the first one with me? Probably not, but I definitely have watched every... Like, I think I've said this every time I, yeah. when <laughs> we talk about Tony Stark, is that I'm doing like a Tony Stark marathon, or I had I, I did a Tony Stark marathon. You did Civil War, so close enough. Yeah, I mean, I did Civil War, Iron Man 2, um, and Spider-Man Homecoming, which are three Tony Stark films, uh, you yeah. know, arguably. So <laughs> yeah, I did those. True. And now, uh, yeah, we had Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. I'll do Infinity War if you have. You probably did that, right? I did, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, I still have to watch it again. I haven't rewatched it since last year, surprisingly. I have not rewatched it since seeing it in theaters either, but I think it's on, on Netflix still, so. It is, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. The, when I saw Infinity War, it was like, the, the for some reason, the theater, it was, it was just the darkest movie I've ever seen, for some reason, besides Solo. And it was just like, I could not see anything that was going on in the first scene of the movie. Um, because of just how bad the projection was and the sound was terrible. So probably wow. at, at home, it'll be a little bit easier to to see. Yeah, definitely. And you can take a break and not worry about missing anything. That That's the nice thing about watching things at home. <laughs> oh, I've never, le- I don't think I've ever had to go to the bathroom in a movie theater before. I think that's just, a, I, I, I see people doing it all the time and I don't understand. I'm like, guys, the movie's on. You didn't take care of us beforehand? Yeah, I purposely like don't drink water an hour before a movie or something. And then I still go to the bathroom when I get to the theater just so I know that I should be able to last two or three hours. Wait, have you seen runp.com though? I have not. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, I highly recommend you go to the website runp, that's R-U-N-P-E-E.com. And this is not a weird, uh, you know, bathroom uh, pornographic uh, website. This is actually just a website that is dedicated to telling you when to go to the bathroom during a movie in theaters <laughs> or in at home too. But basically, it's, a, it's like a spoiler-free way to be like, okay, so when you see the person on screen do this, and it's not like a spoiler action, you can get up and go to the bathroom, and you have this much time to go do this to go to the bathroom, and then you can come back. And you'll. This is where you'll be in the movie. Here's what you'll miss. It's not integral to the plot. It takes the most like the the, the garbage scenes in the movie, and then just this lets you go pee for them. It's fantastic. I just looked it up, and it is wonderful. I will have to link to this in the show notes because everyone does need to check it out. Yeah, it's so good. I saw it like a few years ago. I've never had like like I said, I've never had to use it because I've never had to go to the bathroom during a movie. But like you know, I imagine it would be very useful for someone who has a small bladder. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, you know, with Tony Stark being so prominent and sort of really kicking off the MCU, it's no surprise that he's shown up in other films. And obviously you have the Avengers movies, too. So there's been a lot of Tony Stark over the years. Yeah, I just um, he is uh, just a pleasure to look at and a pleasure to watch act, I think. I mean, he, he pretty much has one mode. I haven't seen him like even when he does like Sherlock Holmes. I imagine he's just playing Tony Stark or Robert Downey Jr. You know, like he's got he, he's like a one one speed, you know, which is very a great speed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's one. I, have you seen him in anything that's like not playing Robert Downey Jr.? I don't think so. The, the only thing I could think of that was definitely a different tone overall would be 
Zodiac. But even in that, I think he was like the drunk reporter. So. Yeah, he's just like he just plays Tony Stark. I mean, it's it's not like a it's not a departure from anything he's done. Yeah, and I did see, I think, the first Sherlock movie that he was in, but I don't remember it too much, but it definitely felt like he was sort I'm of just... I'm pretty sure that's just him with an English accent yeah, or something, exactly. you know? Like, all right, let's see. Oh, he's doing a third Sherlock Holmes. Wow. If you just scroll through his IMDb credits, most of it is just Marvel movies for the last 10 years. And then I imagine he was the same in Charlie Bartlett. He was probably just playing himself. I haven't seen that whole movie or much of it at all. I'm just trying to see something that I've seen. Ali McBeal, he was on that for a while, or two years, I think. Yeah. Wow, he has some, got some really weird stuff on that uh, on that IMDb. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sure somewhere in there there's a departure for him. But for the most part, he seems to be just himself. <laughs> I think with Tony Stark, you know, Robert Downey Jr. just embodied the character so much, though, even with all of his tinkering, which we see a lot of that in this. And you've first get a glimpse of how much he's been doing so not only when he's actually doing it but when pepper makes that comment about him having what 15 suits now and we know it's actually 40 plus so you know even she has no idea just how much he's been working on these suits even though it probably feels like she hardly sees him yeah i do appreciate a lot of off-screen development of a character you know coming back and seeing him change um, I don't need to see everything happening in the movie, and it, it's it's nice. But I, I just don't know when he would have time for all this stuff between the Avengers films and everything he's been like in all the features he's had. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like so Iron Man two that ends with him. It's just him and Rhodey just taking down um, all the drones. Sam Rockwell goes to jail, and then Ultron happens, right? Or is does Ultron happen? Is that after Iron Man three? Ultron happens after. After Iron Man 3 because the Avengers okay. is in between Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 and then Ultron right, it was, was whole... two years later. This timeline is very strange because like the timeline for us isn't necessarily the timeline that I've seen for the MCU. Mm -hmm. I think some things are flipped here and there. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And they jump around especially I mean now they're doing Captain Marvel it's gonna be like the 90s and stuff so yeah. they're, they're really not linear. That's okay. Um <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, I guess, so Iron Man 2 ends and he has Avengers 1. So at the end of Avengers 1, he drives away in a sports car with Mark Ruffalo, right? That's, that's the end of that. And yeah. then apparently he just goes back and builds like 60 Iron Man units and has this whole adventure while that's happening. I think this movie was still better than I remembered it being, though, because... I was watching it and I was like, I hardly remember any of this. I kind of remembered the army of suits. And beyond that, I was like, all right, someone from their past comes back. And that sort of snowballs into him being the villain and everything like that. That I remembered, but details, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it was certainly not the worst Iron Man movie. I'll, I'll give that to Iron Man 2 for sure. But yeah, it was, it was fine. Like as a whole, like if we're just going like broad spectrum look at Iron Man 3, it was fine. I honestly think they could have spaced these out a little more maybe, at least between 2 and 3 to where we get a different Iron Man movie. Maybe 
after I, I don't know after civil war or something i feel like that tony would have been a little more interesting to see because of the divide there oh much more interesting and I'll also i think that tony would have been way cooler to watch because of the defeat he suffered yeah and like the way his system was rocked you know because his team fell apart and his one was i mean i guess i don't really buy the friendship in the mcu between uh between cap and and iron man like i don't think they really do a great job of making them seem like the buddies they are in the comics but it, it would be great to see his foundation be rocked because that's the thing about this movie that pissed me off the most is that in like i i binged all the iron man movies all the civil war and the the homecoming everything all in a row within like a few days time and every single one i'm trying to track his progress as a character and like watch his development and I don't really think, like, you want to see him get smarter. Like, he, he's a smart individual. There's no debating right. that. But as, like, as far as, like, you know, withholding his ego in a smart way, it doesn't happen. You know, like, he just, when he has that, so I, I guess, you know, plot-wise in this film, Iron Man 3, we have this attack, or what what happens to that puts uh, Happy in the hospital in this movie? There is a bombing, but it is one of the extremists, people who blows up and then yes oh right right right. so they're calling them accidental bombings in the press but we know it's the extremist protocol and they've been turning these people into you know these bombs because they haven't perfected extremists yet and i don't know if you've read the iron man extremist comic but i I think it was definitely a good storyline to adapt to the movie i just don't know if they necessarily pull it off as well as the comic doubtful i mean yeah this this storyline seems like it definitely had a lot of potential but it just it's so like just i i there's a lot that goes wrong we'll get to it all but but (laughs) as far as like what what puts happy in the hospital yeah so he goes to investigate some guy having a deal at what is that the theater in on uh hollywood boulevard or sunset i forget that's somewhere in in la oh the chinese theater yeah the chinese theater i've walked in front of that a few times he goes to investigate like a a weird like deal going on there and then a bomb goes off or a human goes off that is a bomb yeah and puts happy in the hospital and and tony just gets so mad and like they really have to show us how much he cares about happy and and that he's just such a loose cannon still and he makes a statement in front of all these cameras asking the mandarin who is uh, apparently a threat now uh, because the movie tells us he's a threat um that to come and get him and here's his home address and like his home address was not like a secret probably, you know, like you can pretty much Google anybody's home. Like I can, yeah. I can find the picture of the rocks mansion right now if I Google it and probably <laughs> and get a good location. I think he had already given away it. his address to the media before anyway. Really? I, I, In like a previous I, film or? I thought so, but maybe it was just because there were so many people at his birthday party or whatever. It's hard to believe it would be a secret. That's what I mean. Like, it's not like him, you know, just restating his home address. So, like, you have to figure that attack on his compound was happening anyway, but him just instigating and, like, calling out the Mandarin instead of, like, playing it cool. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that, uh, that the, like, a, like a, if Tony Stark was written properly or if he was more, you know, akin to the comic or if he had actually developed in the course of these five movies or whatever, that he would have played it way cooler in terms of, like, going after the Mandarin. Like, there's no way that I could see a super genius, you know, with unlimited resources of money and technology to just like wage all out, you know, blitz on an enemy or just like 
call him out for like a street fight or whatever you know it doesn't make sense i guess maybe that's the whole point is like oh yeah well this smart guy's being stupid and that's yeah he really has to fall from grace again for like a third time this dude has to be smacked in the face by his own ego in order to learn something which is really boring to me you know i think that the like the tony in avengers 2 and in ultron is like way more interesting as far as like that weird like they try and play into it in this movie too his weird like ptsd stuff that's going on yeah you know, when he, he has that, like, a uh, flashback to Avengers 1? Yeah, and he has the anxiety attacks throughout. Mm, yeah. I, I feel like they they did an okay job, you know, portraying that he was, you know, shaken by it. But if you took those anxiety attacks out of the rest of the movie, it wouldn't have made a difference. Like, they could have just yeah. disincluded that entire concept from this from the script, and it it would have had no effect on his character in any other scene. Like... He gets nervous in the restaurant, like the Applebee's or whatever he's right. at with Rhodey. <laughs> and uh, he has a like a weird breakdown outside by the car with that little kid watching. Yeah. It's, it's just like those are just unnecessary. Like I don't need to see that he's weak. He's definitely weak. You know, he's like either he's like too proud and like a loose cannon or he's like crippling or he's crippled by his anxiety. I don't need both of those aspects of this character, you know, unless they really want to play into the bipolar aspect of Tony Stark, which is, you know, possible. Or if they wanted to, like, jump into the alcoholism thing again, you know, that would be great to see a dude who's, like, manic depressive in a film, like a dynamic Tony Stark. But this dynamic is totally, like, Jekyll and Hyde almost, I feel like. And either one of them could have been cut out of the movie and had no effect on the other part of it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I did like, though, was when Tony didn't have his suit because I feel like that's when we really get to see him go to work and using the knowledge that he has to get by without his armor. And, you know, we're so used to seeing Tony and the suit and, you know, he is Iron Man, but in a sense, they kind of stripped that out for a chunk of the movie. And I kind of wish they would have done that a little more. I mean, we obviously see him with Harley, the kid in what is it, Tennessee, I believe. That's his name, Harley? Yeah. Nice. Probably named after the hog, right? Like the, the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, so he sort of sees a lot of himself in the kid. And I think that's why he's probably more willing than he should be to leave his suit there. <laughs> you know, he kind of goes in and see that this kid is a tinkerer, just like he is, when he comes in with his potato gun <laughs> and everything like that. Yeah. And this sort of fosters a relationship that you know tony doesn't seem to like kids but i think he recognizes something in this kid that makes him want to help him that was nice i i didn't mind that part of it i thought i thought the whole like iron man without the suit thing played out very much like a like another like any other shane black action script or whatever it's just like he's like okay now i can go to work and writing like a weird like action scene or like a chase scene in an alley and kind of just let robert downey jr do his thing without having to like CG an Iron Man suit on him. Um, it just, it, it gave the, the movie like a time, like a chance to breathe. And then they throw in like a glowing extremist person <laughs> in the middle of a, like a middle, it was Tennessee. It was like Tennessee yeah. in wintertime. Yeah. Just a, a little town with like a main street, main street or something like that. It was, uh, it was nice. It was a good change of pace. I can imagine a lot of people didn't like it. And I can see why people would not like it because they go to see Iron Man and they don't want to see Iron Man without the suit. But I think they they give you enough in the other two thirds of the movie and the outer thirds that like was enough suit fighting blowing up. And then the last act was just, you know, suit overload. So you can't really complain about that there wasn't enough Iron Man when there was like 40 Iron Man. Right, right. <laughs> 
I kind of have a theory about the kid. I feel like Tony has been keeping tabs on him ever since he upgraded his, uh-huh. you know, workshop there and everything. So I don't know if that's something that could play out still because you know in the comics he sort of takes peter under his wing and we don't really see that in homecoming we see it a little bit but then you know when peter decided to not join the avengers i feel like you know tony might have gone looking elsewhere for some little child to uh help out (laughs) To tinker, yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. I mean, I, I he's not really. It's possible, I guess, but based on everything they're saying and, and looking at the comics and everything, like nobody was really into like drafting kids into whatever superhuman teams there are. Like the whole thing with him going for Spider Man was like a last ditch effort. He's like, we need some firepower. I know of an enhanced in New York City that we can probably grab. Um, I don't think he like Tony Stark's like in the market for hiring uh, kids, and there's probably adults that can probably do it better. But I, you know, I, I would, I could see that kid coming back in a future like Iron Man context. Yeah, because let's see, the movie was six years ago now. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's always like those high school programs and stuff, right, like right. which is exactly well, like what Avengers. Peter was doing at Oscorp when he was bit by a spider and everything. And so you know, it's one of those things where I don't necessarily think he would hire him, but I think Tony has been into those programs for kids kind of like the stuff that apple does with young developers and everything like that mm-hmm. yeah trying to mine future talent yeah, that makes sense. i mean like maybe like the actual program that t- that uh parker was talking about in homecoming you know where he's like oh i have an internship a stark internship yeah. like there probably is an actual stark internship that that kid could probably come into i had a theory about that kid when i was watching it totally out the window like not okay. actually true but i but i mean if you remember from the ultimate storylines where uh tony stark gets a brain tumor at one point and he had so it, it manifests itself as him as a child and he just calls it anthony and so like he's basically just talking to this this you know imagined human being uh, named Anthony, who's just a child and his projection of himself as a kid. So I, I imagine like you, you, like there's a literal aspect to him seeing this kid and thinking it's himself or something. Also, the surreal aspect of losing his suit and being like, you know, losing power over Tennessee and crash landing in the middle of his town. It's like totally takes the movie out of its comfort zone. Right. And uh, it's it's not surreal in that respect of like its setting. It's not like a dream sequence, but it definitely is weird to be in the middle of the country not woods, but like, you know, a, a rural town almost. And uh, and his only partner in crime is really just a child. The The line he gives about the kid, uh, about his dad going out for cigarettes, mm-hmm. is that killed me in the theater. That actually got a lot of people. Nobody was expecting the kid to be that witty. Yeah, and I think because they spent so much time with this kid, I feel like he just has to pop up again. You know, I don't know if they would have introduced someone who was so much like Tony as a kid in some respects. You know, his dad's not around. Tony's dad was there, but not. So it's one of those things where I'm like, there's way too many parallels here for them to just ditch this. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely, it struck me as an odd, like, point in the movie where they just put this kid in there and they they gave him so much time and it would be, but it didn't, it didn't necessarily mean that I thought they were going to bring him back again for something else, but it could happen. You know, you never know. There's, there's weirder things. They brought the friggin' red skull back in yeah. infinity <laughs> war. So that was definitely not expected from by anybody. And, and red skull was arguably way more important to the cinematic universe than, than hardly the boy in Tennessee. Right. I just feel like Marvel sort of keeps 
a lot of things in their back pocket. And they're like, oh, you know what? It's been a while. Let's just throw this at the audience. Yeah, I guess it depends on the director and like what Kevin Feige wants, probably. You know, like if the director needs something, he'll 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 probably look to like the previous films. But I don't know. It could be cool. Yeah, and I know they have like through 2025 planned even though they haven't announced any of that to us yet so yeah end game is going to be very crucial to announcing those titles and <laughs> yeah. they don't want to give anything away yeah like if there's no captain america 4 or whatever then we'll probably have some idea <laughs> what's going on in end game so but they did confirm a black widow movie right yes and i think that might be another one that kind of goes back in time a little not quite as far as captain marvel but i feel like you would have to go back in time at least somewhat to tell a good black widow story yeah they definitely they touched on the red room stuff in ultron yeah so it could be cool to go back and flesh that out but at the same time you know like i would rather see some new like like scarlett johansson not i don't want to have them de-age her although she doesn't look old at all like it, it would just I don't need to see her playing, you know, however old she was in the Red Room, like 16, 17. Maybe what if, I guess she could, one good idea that I would love to watch is, um, you know, her having to go back and confront those demons. That would yeah. be a kind of a cool plot line. It's it's predictable, I guess, because I'm saying it out loud. So I mean, <laughs> if I can think of it, then surely any Hollywood screenwriter has thrown it out into the trash can already. But yeah, it just it would be cool because they could, you know, go back and forth in the timeline and kind of have her, you know, seek revenge on the person who she feels might have, like, changed her life completely. And then you could, like, okay, I'm calling the end of Black Widow right now if they do this <laughs> plot line. At the end of it, she has to, like, you know, she has the opportunity to kill the person who tortured her or whatever. It's, I think it's such a trope. But, yeah, they she, she has to put down the person who tortured her and turned her into the Black Widow. And she chooses not to. And she overcomes her training. And, like, that's that's going to be the end. <laughs> If they do that. Yeah, I think they could even do something where they just go back to around the time of Winter Soldier. Because I think that is definitely oh, my yeah. favorite Black Widow appearance so far. Just because it, it's such a buddy cop movie. And even if they did a Black Widow movie shortly after that and just maybe had Steve appear for like one or two scenes, I would be fine with that. I don't need it to just be her necessarily. Like, you know, Spider-Man had Iron Man show up and... Although Robert Downey Jr. kind of takes over in those 10 minutes or whatever because he is Robert Downey Jr. I think with Black Widow, you could do something more subtle, but I just really hope they don't revisit the uh, the Black Widow and Hulk relationship thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> we don't need that. But actually, that's a really good point. Because I think we might have talked about this, too, when we were doing Winters, or we talked about something to do with Captain America. Oh, in Civil War, when we were talking about Bucky and everything. Yeah. I feel like Sebastian Stan probably has a few more con like movies contracted. So if we could see Black Widow, because she mentions that she's gone up against Winter Soldier before in the Winter Soldier. She talks about going up against I would like to see her with Sebastian Stan as the villain. That would be dope. Oh yes, that would be wonderful. Yeah, that would that would be a great. See, I, that's it's not too far back, so she they wouldn't have to like de-age her or anything yeah. like that, or make her seem way younger. Um, they wouldn't have to do like that predictable like going back to the red room plot, and it would just give the fans like more Sebastian Stan, which I feel like we could all use in our lives. It's just as much Sebastian Stan as possible. Yeah, change of plans. This is a Black Widow podcast now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, sorry. I mean, she was she in Iron Man three? No, she was not. She was in no. Iron Man two. Yeah, she was. Banner showed up, but at the end. 
yeah, in like the, the, the post credits. So well, it turns out the entire movie was him because doesn't doesn't it open it up with a narration as well in Iron Man three, and then doesn't the movie close with him like the credits close with him just talking again? Yeah, he was basically just narrating all of this to Bruce yeah, and the entire time. Ruffalo is like, I'm not that kind of doctor, man. <laughs> And he was asleep the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> which is good. I thought that was pretty funny. Mm. That was a good use of Banner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly better. Uh, I don't think it's as good as the Chris Hemsworth uh, stinger on Doctor Strange or whatever it was with the beer gag. Oh, and no, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was good in itself. Yeah, I feel like, like you said, this had so many of the suits at the end to where I almost wish they would have put Tony out of the suit even a little more during the movie because of how much I enjoyed him just making things out of water bottles and this, you know, <laughs> oven mitt or something like that and or a gardening yeah, glove, yeah. something to that effect. And it's just so fun to see Tony in his element when he doesn't have all of his money behind him necessarily. Right, yeah, especially after his mansion gets wrecked and Pepper, you know, almost gets shot down. It was, it was really confusing. I guess it wasn't confusing, but just really weird that they brought in that plant doctor and then made her a bad guy and then yeah. killed her. I and... forgot about that. It was very yeah, strange. There's, just, there's like a lot of little things that happen. This is the one where they, is this the one where they out uh, Gary Shandling as a Hydra agent, I think as well, where he says he whispers Hail Hydra into somebody's ear. Because in the end of the last so. one, he they did a little prick gig, um, yeah. where they give him the pin and they he and Gary Shanley pricks him. But then at one point, I don't know if it's it might be Civil uh, War or the Avengers, maybe. Yeah, where he just like whispers "Hail Hydra" into somebody's ear. Was it Winter Soldier? No, no, no. You're right. It's probably something else. So many movies to keep track of. I, you know, it's one of those things where everything starts to blend together after what twenty yeah. movies now. Yeah, this is the one though. Iron Man three is the one that starts off with them playing. Uh, blue by Eiffel 65. Yes, <laughs> and that was the that was probably the weirdest part of this movie for me. I saw this in theaters with uh, my roommate at the time, Sam, and our other friend Nick, and we were just like sitting there ready for Iron Man three. And I think you have a little voiceover Diddy at the beginning, and then suddenly it's just like, "Yo, listen up, here's this," and it just we just looked at each other like, "What is going on?" And they're like, "Oh, 1999." They're like, "Okay, we get it, we get it," and that. Uh, what's his name? Guy Pierce. He works for AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics, not AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> the uh, latter but, would have been much less dangerous. Yeah. Well, maybe. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, like his character was Al Aldrich Killian. Is his Aldrich? Character. Yeah, Killian. Yeah. The 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 uggification on this dude is so good. I loved it. Just seeing how bad they made Guy Pierce look. Because Guy Pierce is just a treat to look at in the same way that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. would be. And uh, they just made him look so bad and crippled for a reason, obviously. They had to show, like, how dynamic this extremist, you know, treatment or whatever he's going through is. But, uh, yeah, it was it was nice. I didn't even recognize him, really, in the Switzerland scene. I was like, oh, he yeah. looks familiar, but the long, like, greasy hair, it just threw me off so much. So I agree with you that they did a really good job of making him not look like himself. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't think they. I I don't think that I saw a trailer for this movie going into it. I think it was just one of those things where it's like, oh yes, I'm going to see that, so avoid trailer at all costs. And I went in and saw it, and I like slapped Sam on the shoulder, and I was like, are you seeing? Is this Guy Pierce? And he's like, yeah, that is Guy Pierce. I'm like, 
well, this dude's definitely not going to look like this in 15 minutes when they bring him <laughs> back or something like that. Like something very weird is going to happen to Aldrich Killian. And sure enough, it does. He comes back and tries to seduce uh, Gwyneth Paltrow again. I felt the same way about how they made Ben Kingsley look. I was like, wow, that did not look like him. So much hair. <laughs> Let's get into the Mandarin in this because how how did you take the twist at the end? Because this there was definitely this twist was like more of a hard. This is a harder twist than I've ever seen in any Marvel movie, or like a maybe not a twist, but in the same way that like the Last Jedi subverted expectations famously. Um, I feel like this movie subverted expectations. Number one in the lack of Iron Man suit, but number two in what they did with the Mandarin in this. How did you, how did you take it when that that happened? I don't think I felt like it was a twist at the end, at least this time when I watched it. And like I said, I didn't remember very many of the details at all with this one. But as soon as we see Trevor Slattery go in as the Mandarin and they have the monitors set up and then Killian walks in, I was like, oh, well, he's probably really the bad guy. <laughs> Trevor Slattery? No, 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 no. Ben Killian. Ben King's? Oh, Killian. Yeah, because he's okay. there and it's like he's oh, 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 that heading up all of the videos and everything. So I was like, oh, all right. So, you know, this just seems like a hoax. <laughs> I never picked up on Ben Kingsley's because I'm, I'm talking about Ben Kingsley's Trevor Slattery is Ben Kingsley's character in Iron Man 3. Yeah. But I had I had no idea because like any all of the, the marketing for this movie, the little that I did see had like, you know, pictures of Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin. And I was right. like, this looks cool, very true to comic. And like, it's also Ben Kingsley. So that's really exciting. And I like the weird like propaganda that you see flashing throughout the entire movie is very ominous. And I'm like waiting to see what kind of badass fight could possibly go down. And then he just walks out of a bathroom after taking a massively disgusting <laughs> shit and to meet up with these supermodels and it's like the, the entire theater just starts dying and i i was so stoked that i just like i think i just like started yelling yes in the theater amongst all the laughter that was going on and some people were just really upset by that by what they did to the mandarin in this respect or like what they made ben kingsley do but it was such a funny like shane black-esque move for them to pull on this kind of thing it was great yeah i didn't even care because he was so hilarious playing an actor in the movie <laughs> Yeah, like a down on his luck actor too, not even just yeah. like a simple actor. It was so funny to me that they did that to him. Yeah, he was kind of just like, oh, they offered me more drugs. <laughs> like, duh, yeah, of course like, I did it. What a crazy like two sides of a coin to have to play in this. Like he was brought into this movie and to like play an ominous warlord or whatever, terrorist, and then he has to just switch and become an English, you know, a down and out drunk actor. And he just like falls asleep while he's talking to Tony Stark. He just does all this stupid stuff and he's hilarious in this thing. Yeah. I think because of when I saw Aldrich walk up to the monitors and everything earlier, I was like, oh, okay. So th there's clearly something going on here where it seems like Aldrich is giving the direction on everything. And so I think that sort of made it less surprising to me to find out that he just hired someone to make all of these threats. Yeah, he's just such a, such a goon. The t I think what they ended up, like I wasn't, when they turned Killian into the Mandarin, like the actual Mandarin, I mean, is that, like, do you think, is that just who the Mandarin is in this movie? Or is it just like the, the tattoos are just like a, you know, a coincidence and he's just still Aldrich, Aldrich Killian and the Mandarin was always just some other figurehead? Or is like, like, is he actually considered the Mandarin Killian? I think it was always him, just because of the fact that 
he didn't want everyone to know it was him. Right. So okay. that's why well, he hired Ben Kingsley. He didn't really want people to fear Trevor Slattery necessarily. He just wanted to create this persona that people were afraid of. And, you know, when he was found out, he basically then took it upon himself to finish that off. Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I guess so. it doesn't matter then if he was actually calling himself the Mandarin or if the Mandarin was like a, this tertiary character that just kind of lived outside of him. But the tattoos are, oh, they made me think he was like, I am the Mandarin. Yeah, I think initially it was more the idea of the Mandarin and the threat of the Mandarin. I don't necessarily think the face of the Mandarin necessarily mattered as much. Right, right, right. But I did like some of the comedic elements that they did put in here because just having Ben Kingsley do that, it just sort of gave you this feeling of relief for a few minutes and then you're like, oh, wait, but now he has to go fix this because clearly this guy isn't the Mandarin. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that I did like about the evolution of of the Iron Man, the concept of Iron Man in the MCU was how in every movie his, his armor is becoming uh, a little bit more, it, like there's just, just different aspects of it. Like this is the one where he's installing those implants in his body and he can kind of like suck the armor onto his yeah. body. Like, it's sort of like a remote like tractor beam kind of thing onto him which is cool and then they go full nano machines in infinity war right i think so it's sort of just like you know in the dc shows how the flash's suit just pops out of his ring sort of thing right 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 right. i i have never watched a dc show though so i mean that's in the comics too it's just you know the flash lightning bolt ring and the suits like housed in there yeah well he does some uh stuff like that like in the comics like they're like the first take on Iron Man in the Ultimate Universe was that Iron Man was like he had Iron Man in his blood or whatever. They retcon that I think pretty quickly. Uh, you know, after they after like a few hundred issues of Ultimate stuff, they're like, well, Iron Man is not that kind of biological Iron Man. But they did keep up with like the nano stuff and like the the suit being kind of like a thing that he can call with his mind yeah i i feel like someone has to have put together an evolution of the iron man suits throughout the mcu because he's had so many right yeah yeah and then uh what else happened in this movie that's worth talking about pepper getting powers briefly sort of (laughs) yeah i was almost happy that they were about to kill her not that i don't want like not that i was happy to see her go but i was like oh cool like steaks those are nice i like steaks in a movie (laughs) love it you know and like watching her fall into the fire is like that's a particularly tragic death. It's like more that's more than they gave to like what's her name, Jane from Thor or whatever, you know, who just yeah. disappeared off the face of the earth. I think she got disappeared in the snap. Yeah, I think the one thing I did like about them not killing Pepper though was that they just mentioned in passing that Tony was able to, you know, get rid of the extremist stuff that was in her instead of them having to show it. Instead they show Tony, you know, taking a chance and fixing himself by getting the shrapnel taken out of him. Right. Yeah. They, it's one of those other things where they have to, they're just setting up. That's like, it's just a seg into the next Avengers movie. I yeah. felt less with this than with Iron Man 2. Like Iron Man 2 is definitely just a hold me over, um, which we've definitely discussed before. But then when it comes to uh, this one, it was just like, all right, we need to get Tony Stark into a spot where he's disenchanted with the whole superhero game he has lost everything, although he, you know, he still has Avengers Tower, I guess, so he hasn't lost everything. 
Um, and yeah, like he got, we got to get him to a spot where he doesn't have that thing in his heart. So let's get that thing out of his heart and he can just, just be a normal guy again. And also we got to wrap up on Pepper not having powers because we're not giving Pepper powers anymore. Yeah. We're going to make her normal again. And I think that was a good choice too, because even though we don't see Tony fixing that, it's like, okay, we're kind of getting back to the status quo with these two. And he does this thing at the end too, where he blows up all of his suits and yes. it's like the clear slate protocol or wh whatever he says it is to Jarvis who, you know, Jarvis has its own moments in this. Does he? And I, I remember him losing power a lot. <laughs> just like failing in some occasions i well for me the thing that stuck out was when he's still in the process of being rebooted and he isn't able to use language so well <laughs> when it first starts and he's saying something and all of a sudden he says something to the effect and then i say the wrong cranberry oh and it was just such a weird word choice that it stood out to me instead of saying that he ends sentences with the wrong word <laughs> i was like why would you pick cranberry <laughs> oh yeah well i think it was arbitrary but it was such it was a really good i thought that was great writing yeah. I'm, I'm sure shane black had some that came up with that line but it was it was just so yeah like it was this this script was just so snappy and i think we we talked about this before but like the relationship of this movie to kiss kiss bang bang another one of shane black and robert yeah. downey jr collaboration um, that was from 2005, and this was 2013. 13. Okay, I'm way off on that. But so yeah, <laughs> almost, almost 10 years later, eight years, eight years after, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang came out. You know, Shane Black and Robert Downey Jr. coming together for yet another Christmas movie. All right, yeah. <laughs> Shane Black loves his Christmas, and he actually goes on the record saying, like, it's just a magical time of the year, and I like setting my movies. It's just like blah blah blah. So, it's not a coincidence. It's an intentional director trademark is Christmas scenes. I don't even remember this. This movie came out when it was cold out, I remember, but I don't think it was Christmas time, which is even odder, right? When was this released? Probably was not cold for me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm speaking <laughs> with a New Yorker's perspective, which is that we are the center of the world and the only climate that Well, exists. no, let's see. 2013, I would have been in Philly. So it depends on what time of year. Iron Man 3 release date. Oh, yeah, well, it would be very cold in Philly that time. May 3rd, <laughs> 2013. Okay. So it was not cold. My memory does not serve me proper. So this was a Christmas film that came out in May, which may, and I saw it like pretty much opening, opening week, probably within the first week of it coming out, which just was, must have been bizarre for my, uh, my, my brain to just process Yeah, <laughs> to watch a Christmas movie in May. You know, it's just a, it's a weird thing. It's one thing if it's like January, but yeah, that, right. that much later. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Especially with all the snow in it. It's just like a. I don't know, just is an odd choice on the studio's part. Just very, very strange. I wonder if something happened and they had to push it back or something. That seems to happen a lot with these big box office movies. <laughs> I imagine it's just the the structure of their year. Like they, they have their release dates and they're like, True. okay, well, Avengers is coming out in summer of uh, the following year, right? That was, Ultron was 2014. I, Am I just making it, that up? It might have been 2015. Yeah, Avengers 2 release date. Let's see. May 1st, 2015. Yep. So two years later. But they like that March to May time frame for the big movies. Well, Star Wars, that's probably it. Star Wars, when was... That was 2014. I'm, I'm just... I have no idea what's going on. Uh, Star Wars, Force Awakens release 2015, date. I think, as well. Yeah. December. Well, it was December. December 18th, 2015. So that was... So then Avengers came out six months later. 
I don't know. They they just had they have this thing and they they can't let one movie walk on top of another, and I imagine that that's really just what has to happen. Yeah, I feel like they're in more of a groove now too, as far as releasing two or three movies a year. So I think. It's just amazing how fast they seem to get these out there, especially with all the CGI that's in them. And you know it's taking forever, which is probably why there's like 200 names in just like the graphics section. <laughs> um, way more than that. Yeah, way, way more than that. There's got to be like at least like 2,000 people that worked on this film. Yeah. Which is great for the job and like thing. But also at the same time, I've read that the the VFX companies, like they have to work these, like it's not actually great because they don't get paid as much as you'd think they'd get paid. And this, right. so they have to put in these crazy hours just to have their name on this project. Yeah. I've kind of so heard that about seem, the yeah. video game industry too. Yeah. Well, I imagine, yeah, that's even more underappreciated in terms of like, cause these are smaller, small-ish studios that right. aren't doing this. It's not like, it's not like a company like Apple, which has like, you know, however many thousands of employees. These are like small companies like Naughty Dog. I feel like when I was watching like the bonus features on, what's it called like uncharted or whatever mm -hmm. like seeing seeing that studio like there couldn't be more than like a couple hundred people working for that company and they also divided the company to split up their their intellectual properties like one to keep doing uncharted games and the other one was to do like last of us uh, and and the, yeah so, so yeah you're totally right like it's even more so with video games what do you think about how this movie looked overall i think by 2013 they've pretty much sort of nailed down the cgi and everything like that so to have all of these suits flying around it was pretty cool because you see that tony isn't just making his suit over and over again he's experimenting with different sizes i think he calls one igor and it's just this monstrous suit that stabilizes the entire ship, pretty much. Right. Yeah, he has, like, the outer space one. It's very much like the, the comics and thus the toy line. Yeah. It's, it's, a very, it's like, a, a product of, of the need to sell toys. If you go on YouTube, you can probably see they have, like, there, there's these, like, little info videos, you know, just infographic videos that are just showing you, like, every one of Tony's MCU armors, which is, like, I love that stuff just to see all the things that like the details that you can't see in the movie because of the action scene at the end, which I definitely want to discuss, which is not too much to discuss, but the, fi the fact that like it's cool and it was yeah. a really nice choreographed scene with all that armor switching that's going on, like just throwing, was it like the president? It wasn't the president that was, I think it was, right? Yeah, it was the president who was tied up in the Iron Patriot suit. Right, and they just have him like jumping in and out of armors and like tossing him here and there, and like the armor will catch Tony, and then the Mandarin will shoot him and blow his armor off of him, and Pepper gets the armor at one point, and it it, it was a uh, it was kind of an outside the box action scene, which I really liked. You know, like what are they going to do next? Because what was the last Iron Man two's big climactic action scene was just Brody and Iron Man versus however many drones you know like 20 drones and just then drago having to you know overpower him and you know outthink him but still brute force him at the same time yeah this one was actually like okay i'm gonna get a party of like however many 30 iron men and choreograph like a higher like scaffolding and just having these suits fly around like it was just a very ambitious action scene in the end absolutely not ambitious not ambitious in the same way that like avengers was where they took a battle across all of midtown manhattan that was very ambitious those effects i, I hate to say it but those effects are starting to look dated to me on the small screen when i watch it back at tv on tv at home like that's that one shot scene it's still very you know it, it's very moving as far as action scenes go but it looks a little bit 
kind of like old old school like not old school i don't know what i'm saying like it's <laughs> it's a like not as good i guess right like it looks it looks a little bit more composited that's what that's what i'm looking for it's it looks more composited than anything else i've seen in the mcu since it's definitely challenging too when you have that many moving pieces i imagine Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially because you're trying to give enough screen time to every single one. Not only that you're trying to make each one look good when they do show up, but trying to be like, okay, what's Thor doing in this moment? Like, don't get me wrong. That one shot in Avengers where they're all flying on the Leviathans and showing all that stuff happening. Very amazing. Very ambitious. This was just different because you have like a very, like an even smaller area to play in. And a lot of things have to be happening on screen at once to make sense of it all. Yeah. And establishing the space too. You know, Manhattan just looks like a bunch of buildings together. You have windows and you have tall buildings. It's that. But, you know, like there's a lot of perspective shifts going on in these scenes and having to have certain suits be in certain spots at the right time. It was cool. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was funny when Tony told Don Cheadle's character, whose name I'm totally blanking on right now, Rhodey. Rhodey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. When. Tony told Rhodey that the suits were coded to him, but we kind of know that's partially a lie because we saw Pepper in the suit earlier. So it's like, why can she wear the suit, but Rhodey can't? <laughs> well, didn't, um, what's his name? The Mandarin's uh, buddy. Didn't he also get into the suit at one point too? Like the Iron Patriot, didn't he steal it and throw, toss yeah, the president it, into it? It was like actually Aldrich, I believe. Oh yeah, at one point too. Yeah, wasn't it? I th I feel like it was because I feel Who like knows? Aldrich approached the president at some point, and then the, the buddy was the one on the plane. I don't I don't remember. So many suits to keep track of, but the the henchman guy was in the Iron Patriot suit when he went and boarded Air Force One, pretty much. Oh shoot! Did this movie also had this the the skydiving yes. scene too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that was ridiculous. So much was that happening was in this one. <laughs> one of my least favorite parts in this entire in, in the entire MCU is that Tony Stark catching like it was it was again like a, a, an effective scene. So I guess it did its job. But as far as from a physical perspective, I don't, I hate when they bend physics to the degree where it's actually like, they're not showing technology bending the physics. That's fine. I'm okay with it. Just make up a technology and say that I fixed it, you know, but like actually saying that all those people's arms wouldn't snap off if they were holding on to each other or whatever, when he finally slows them down. Like, I hate when they just make those limitations. Yeah. It's it, non-existent. It was very strange. I was like, oh, you're going to have some electricity coursing through these people and they're just not going to let go. And then it's they're all going to be able to catch these people in one or two tries. Like that seems. And he's going <laughs> to and he kind of just like slows them down and brings it in for like an aircraft landing into this whatever river they're hitting. It was just a like everything is ridiculous about this movie because it's a superhero movie and that's just the right. nature of superhero <laughs> movies. But like this was particularly like. I always bring it up, like that that grease fight in in the transporter, <laughs> like that one the one fight where Jason Statham has to fight that other dude and just like bathes himself in oil and then goes to work in this fight. I just like think of that like like what movie am I watching right now where like something this ridiculous has to take place on screen? And obviously in this movie it was a parachuting like seven people in suits just holding hands and being glided into a river. Yeah, I did find an image of all of the Iron Man suits from 2008 through last year, plus the War Machine suits, because that one also changed a few times at least. Oh, yeah. That's cool. 
yeah, so I will have to link to this because it has, I don't even know how many Iron Man 3 ones. I think it has all of them, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, like, the, I mean, the thing is, somebody has to design these suits. Yeah. You know, for, for the seconds, for the fractions of a second of screen time that these suits are going to have, someone has to sit there and design these things and make them varied enough and interesting enough that you could essentially, you know, potentially make a toy out of it or like a, a figurine that somebody would want to display in their house as weird or as insignificant it is to the movie, you know, just it's something somebody has to make. Yeah, and it probably takes a lot of time to sit down and design that many Iron Man suits, but have them look different enough to where they each have their own names. You know, I mentioned Igor, and then I think he called one Heartbreaker or something like that. Yeah, I think he gives them a bunch of names in those ones. You're right. So they definitely have to put a lot of thought into that. But at the same time, that's exactly what Tony would do. So you can't really cheat on that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Somebody had to name every single one of these. That's so funny to me. Do they have the ones from Ultron in here? And uh, yeah, they do. Wow. They got like a, the, what's it called? The Hulkbuster and everything is in there. Oh, Infinity War. That's the one I was looking for. That was the Mark L, or I guess what? what's the Roman numeral for L? 50. <laughs> Sorry, I meant 50. Mark 50. Damn. It's only been like 10 years of, of <laughs> Iron Man. Wild stuff. Yeah. I got to spend some time looking at this at right now. <laughs> and there's only been like four or five for for uh, Rhodey. <laughs> right, right, right. It's so remarkable that they, they feel the need to re-up every movie yeah just to change the design very dramatically like the homecoming one and the and the civil war one i think they'll probably do something similar with spider-man not that his is necessarily armor so it's probably a little easier to just whip him up a new suit but (laughs) i think we'll see a lot of spider-man suits over the next you know five years or so at least however long marvel can keep tom holland in the mcu <laughs> he's already got two and one in each movie yeah just like you said you know like he and then in this one in uh, far from home he they've already showed his new suit which is more of like a navy and red and i think he'll have maybe two or three in far from home because i know oh, wow. they're introducing a stealth suit of sorts perfect I, I would like to see in it. I would like to see an mcu black costume you know i although i don't know how they're going to do it now with the venom stuff going on so, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool suit stuff going, I guess, you know, as long as you have designers who are creative enough to keep this, this stuff going, then you'll yeah. get new suits. Yeah, definitely. Well, is there anything else you want to touch on with this? I feel like so much happened. It's hard to keep it all straight. Like we totally forgot about the skydiving scene until we mentioned the other guy taking over the yeah, suit. This, this thing moves around so much and it's just like they took 14 movies and just stitched them all together. And they, I think they did a pretty good job for what they had and what they put, but like, it's just not a, as far as like, a, 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 it's definitely better than Iron Man 2. Uh, I'll give it like, oh, oh wait, like we, should, we should, we should, we should rank them. Can okay. we rank all, all Iron Man movies I'm talking about here? Not, I'm oh not talking about just the, uh, the standalones. We got to include Civil War, Homecoming. Could you possibly rank all of your Iron Man flicks? I would probably have to go with the first Iron Man Mm -hmm. and then some combination of Civil War and Homecoming. Although he's not in Homecoming a lot, so as far as it being an Iron Man film, I would probably push that one down further, even though I like it as a Spider-Man film. Right, yeah. Yeah, I would say Iron Man, Civil War, Avengers, 
Homecoming, Iron Man 3, Age of Ultron, and then Iron Man 2. Or no, flip Iron Man 2 and Age of Ultron. I did not like Age of Ultron. Where would you put Infinity War in there? Oh, geez. Forgot about that one. I would probably put that bef- either before or after Avengers 1 in there. Yeah. I think I would have it just above. Yeah. from As far as like a movie that I want to see again, that's how like the, le- the movie I least want to see again in the Iron Man cinematic universe is Iron Man 2 probably. And the movie I probably most want to rewatch is Avengers 1. Okay. Iron Man's a close second though. It's like Avengers 1 and Iron Man 1 are both very strong Iron Man flicks in my book. And then Infinity War, obviously, I think that was just really great. And uh, looking forward to watching that again. Yeah, I think because Iron Man was really the one that hit when they kicked off the MCU, it's sort of like they had to set the tone with that movie. And I think they nailed casting Robert Downey Jr. in the role. So that's that's why I think that one would still stay in that top spot for me. But yeah, I I need to watch Infinity War again and yeah, see how I feel. List. Because there's a lot of Tony in that movie. A ton of it, yeah. It's just the... it's And it's very dramatic, too. With like, I mean, it, it's weird because the development of Tony Stark is not... It's not a character development. That's the thing I'm realizing now. It's a life stage development. Yeah. You know, like, he's he's not the different he's not different you know like the tony stark in infinity war is not a different tony stark like i guess you you could say like he's he is vastly different because he like iron iron man one gives him a sense of purpose but from then on he's just like this um super hungry and and ambitious uh inventor superhero person right that goes through a bunch of different life circumstances like you know falling in love with pepper and i think that would be the biggest development is him finally settling down with someone and not having sort of as wild of a party life as he did before and like we saw at his birthday party and things like that it's like he still likes his big events but i think Mm. he's a little more tame not not a lot but a little just because pepper's there to sort of rein him in yeah well that's what i mean it's like it's these are all this i mean i guess maybe that speaks to the human condition in general is that we we stay the same our entire lives we just go through different circumstances but like as far as dynamic range of this character goes there's not a huge range to what he's doing he's just like yeah like in infinity war he's like oh maybe we should have kids and she's like oh okay well that's a thing that we could consider for Iron Man to have. And then who knows if they ever discussed it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. They never actually, uh, I guess we'll find out in Endgame, but man, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm, I can't believe it. it feels really close, right? May? Yeah. Or is it April? I think it's probably April. Because I know Captain Marvel is like March 5th or something. Yeah. And I think it's not too long after that. I think it's like six or eight weeks after that. That's so crazy. There's going to be some crazy cliffhanger in, in Captain Marvel then. Like, they're, they're just, that's so close for two Marvel movies to come out. It's wild. Uh, April 26th. Wow. Okay. Holy cow. That's like three months. I feel like Captain Marvel will still be in theaters when this one comes out, and I don't know yeah, how like, often that happens. Honestly, I might just roll from one theater to the other. I might just do a double feature that day and just <laughs> yeah. hit the theater and then walk across the other one release date let's see so april 20th march 8th yeah they're gonna be about a month and a half apart almost two months apart and then you have spider-man in july again good lord that's a front-loaded front half of the year i don't even know if they have anything after that yeah geez well maybe end game maybe it'll surprise us with something yeah but yeah that's crazy no christmas release no holiday release for 
Marvel this year. I wonder if they stayed away from that a little because DC has Star Wars. The Joker coming out at the end of next year or this year. I think it's and then Star Star Wars. Wars Yeah, I think that's going to just take up everyone's movie going time. (laughs) Solo definitely deflated the Star Wars balloon, not because it's a bad movie. I think it's a fine movie, but I think as far as a release schedule and like the the various uh, development hell it was in prior to release kind of deflated the star wars balloon and they need to come back with a big like holiday season yeah you know everybody everybody goes to see it multiple times while they're on vacation or whatever kind of thing and who knows uh, if sony is doing anything this year actually i have no clue what their plans are for movies what do they what do they own still (laughs) spider-man right yeah venom they have you know stuff in the works for silk craven the hunter oh god uh black cat and Silver Sable, and I don't even know what else. I don't think another <sighs> animated movie would be ready by the end of the year by any means because that takes so long the way they did that. <laughs> that took like years and years to do that movie, yeah. which I love. Oh, we should totally talk about Spider-Verse at some point too. It's available. It's all yours. All right. Um, tag me in for Spider-Verse, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> already put your name oh, down. I, I did add a little question mark. I wasn't sure if you wanted it still. <laughs> I guess you can erase that question mark because I, I will never not speak about Spider-Man unless somebody else wants the chance. If somebody else wants a chance to talk about Spider-Man, I, you should definitely give it to them because I've been on this show so much talking about things. <laughs> it's okay. I had the same person on for like every single Mission Impossible movie. So it's totally fine. <laughs> That's kind of like, um, how did this get made? Having uh, what's his name on Adam oh, shoot, Scott for whenever they do a Fast and the Furious movie. Okay. They just bring him back in and they talk about Fast and Furious because he loves, he loves it. Yeah. And I'm talking about all of the Harry Potter books with the same person. It's fine. I yeah. I will just use everyone until they no longer want to talk to me about things. <laughs> yeah. It's more about like, is there stuff that I want to talk about? And Spider-Verse is just so good. That- yeah. It just needs to be talked about in a big way. Cool. Well, that's Iron Man 3. <laughs> and Black Widow and so and some extra MCU stuff. Yeah, as usual, tangents galore. Yes. But I, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up my thoughts on Iron Man 3. It was better than Iron Man 2. Not fantastic, but it was better than I remembered. So that's okay by me. 100% less Elon Musk is really <laughs> all I could ask for in a film. Yes. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Iron Man 3 and go on some tangents. Thanks for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Of course. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.